Hello there, citizens. I am the terror that flaps in the night. I am the floaty that will not flush no matter how many times you try in the toilet bowl of crime. I am Darkwing Duck. Telling you, please, talk hard and enjoy the mindgasm. <laughs> Whatever the heck that means. After all, you are watching Intellectual Podcast with your ears. Hey everybody, welcome back to another exciting episode of the Intellectual Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Dawson, and today we've got editor extraordinaire and Emmy winner, Mike Tao, who is going to talk a bit about editing and the art of editing and the business of editing and why editing is so important to the creation of film. And uh, he's got tips and everything for actors and directors and whatnot uh, who should be thinking about the edit when they're busy putting together the elements that the editor will work with to craft the final version of a movie before it hits the screens. And I just want to say a couple of things before we get to that interview. I want to congratulate the cast and crew of Things Happen. We took third place at the Alley Art Festival in Vista this past weekend. We were up against some really amazing films and I want to also congratulate Alexandra Peral for her win with Disinfection, a really, really powerful film. But uh, I'm so proud of the cast and crew of Things Happen. Uh, the movie looked fantastic. I had a ton of compliments from people in the audience regarding performances and the cinematography. And I, I just can't be more pleased with how well the film is received uh, whenever we show it to an audience and I have to thank uh, the entire cast and crew for just knocking things happen out of the park and uh, way to go guys so third place pretty good it was our first uh, public screening of the film at a festival and uh, Brian and I and Kristen Naomi all went and got to experience uh, an actual audience uh, who we didn't invite <laughs> watch the film and it was it was a lot of fun to uh, to get to see that so again congratulations to all I'm sure this is just the beginning of what will hopefully be a long list of uh, accolades for the film uh, it's also a very very hot day today hot day tomorrow so if you're here in San Diego make sure you stay hydrated and, uh, you know, try and enjoy the day, though, because it could be worse. We could live somewhere else that's not paradise. So anyway, um, lots of things going on. I, I was at a San Diego filmmakers meeting last night. Uh, there is a huge bit of momentum going on with the city government and all of us in the film community towards pushing forwards on the new film office for San Diego. Uh, looks like their target date is to open the film office uh, sometime in early 2016. And they've already uh, put uh, requests for applications out for a position at the special events department at the city who will help with permitting and will liaison with this, uh, what will be third party independent film office um, that will have some backing from the city, but will also be seeking backing from uh, private investment. So it's uh, it's really cool 
they're looking for RFIs soon. We'll let you know when the RFI uh, goes out. That's a request for information. They are very much interested in our input as a community into what we would like to see the film office do, how it should be uh, formed, how it should function. And that's really encouraging. It's encouraging that they want actual input from the community into what we feel will serve us best. And that's, uh, that's wonderful. So we'll let you know when that RFI goes out. Um, there'll be a limited time when it does for people to put together their thoughts and send in their, uh, their suggestions for how the film office should look. And uh, that's going to be good. And then they'll put an RFP out for proposals on how to actually run and operate a film office and they're open to all sorts of ways that that could work it it being a part of another organization or it being run by a completely new organization uh, built up to to do it uh, we'll see how all that shakes out in the coming months but we are moving forward on a film office i'm pretty encouraged by everything i hear and we'll keep giving you updates here at The Intellectual as things develop. So now, let's get to Mike Tao on the 113th episode of The Intellectual Podcast. Talk hard and enjoy the mindgasm. The Intellectual Podcast starts now. The champagne? Oh, I have some juice if you Why want to Why would you want to silence your phone? Ramosa. It's, uh, we all live by our phones. It's oh, it's a prosecco. It would work, but I'd rather not. You want to use that for like a cheap, cheap ass. Andre. So, Mike, how do you pronounce your last name? Is it Tao? Tao. Yeah. Tao. The Tao of Mike. Although I've been answering to Toe my whole life. <laughs> <laughs> Toe is my favorite one. I can put uh-huh. every once in a while. And oddly enough, that's not even really my real last name. My mom's second husband adopted me and my brother. I was born as Michael Sanchez. Oh, really? Sanchez, really? Yeah. If you look at my brother, you'll see it. He got a lot of the, the Mexican yeah. side, and I got all the Polish side. Huh. <laughs> it's interesting, like, the brothers. I know, like, Jordan, Chicago, he's got a brother, and he looks totally, totally Caucasian, like European, mm-hmm. but then Jordan's more ethnic looking, you yeah. know? Yeah, it's funny. Me and my sister, who's my half-sister, look more alike than me and my full brother. Yeah. It's me every time. And I know another pair of brothers the it's same like way. The, it's like the biscuits. It's like the, the yeah. boy. Pops. Every time. It scares me. Every time. I'm Freaks my mom out every it. time. She makes me do it. She's like, open this. Pillsbury biscuits. Pillsbury, thank you. I like that when the, that opens. It's like a weird... Anticipation. It's release of tension. Are you looking for flutes? Um, do you have any? I do. They're in a different company. Mike, Mike was lovely enough to bring his own booze. No kidding. Awesome. <laughs> and Mark's had enough man. already. <laughs> I, I got a bloody Mary with a Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> Bro. It's a mind of its own. Yikes. <laughs> Put some hat up here. She's just going to put it in her Voss bottle. Just <laughs> <laughs> fill that water bottle with champagne. <laughs> Away we go, kids. A lot of my glassware is uh, stuff BMW from Vegas. film festivals. Yes, that's their sponsors. <laughs> I was going to say, like, this is so, Classy. we're so our world of actors. Like, I, I had a salad of champagne. I had like 100 
That is an actress diet, isn't it? Salad and champagne. Salad and champagne. Kale salad. I, I had champagne. the editor lunch. I stopped by Jack in the Box and had an ultimate the cheeseburger. Diet. <laughs> oh, salad I miss those. Yeah, I rarely do that anymore. I, I rarely do fast food, but I was like, okay, I haven't eaten anything all day, and I'm bringing a bunch of beer. I should probably put something in my stomach first. Well, I had, like, gnarly blood pressure problems in Did May, you? and they're like, no more red meat. Yeah. I was having some issues with blood pressure, too, because my weight had gotten way, way out of control. I was up to close to 350 about six months ago. Yeah. Um, and so they were like, you got to control that. So. Yeah, I was about 330 at the yeah. time that that happened. Yeah. So. Like 20 pounds of that with water weight because of my blood pressure. So, yeah. Like a lot of it came off really yeah. fast. But uh. Yeah, then you get to a point where your body goes, oh, no, dude, we're not getting rid of any more of this. I don't care how much you try. The plateau. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that one's San Diego Film Festival. Mm-hmm. Nice. Kristen, why don't you move your mic a little bit that way so when you're facing him, you're more into the mic. There we go. Better. Yeah. Yeah. Good call. Little tricks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, Mike Tao. Tao. Tao, yes. Editor extraordinaire. Uh, okay, if you insist. <laughs> <laughs> you won't deny it. <laughs> T-O-W-E. T-O-W-E, yeah. Nice. Cool. So, um, I know you mainly as the editor of the Gromitz films. Um, so many Gromitz have been on the show now. <laughs> It's kind of amazing, mm. considering the history I had. Yeah. <laughs> if you want to reference that, uh, listen to the episode with Mike Brugemeyer. <laughs> Brugemeyer, Merrick. Uh, Brugemeyer, Merrick. Uh, Jonathan. John Maxwell. You know who Jonathan Maxwell. Kristen Chandler. Yeah, you, 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 you try and get her on. See if you can get her on. <laughs> I think you're opening wounds there. <laughs> Yeah, I'm curious okay. if she heard my episode with Mike or not. Yeah. Because <laughs> we do talk about her in that episode. I'd be fascinated. I got to say, Kristen is actually quite the doll. She, um, mm-hmm. we, we put her through so much, and she just leans into the pitch every single time. Yeah. I mean, this go-around, she's, she's absolutely terrified of roller coasters, and we had her on play the, dead. We on had her play coaster. dead on a roller coaster, right? right? So she had to ride um, the dipper down at Belmont Park with her eyes closed and being limp. And that is like a brutal roller coaster wow. too. Yeah, it, it beats is. the it hell is. out it's of you. Like 75 years old. Mm-hmm. And, and the story I heard is she, they did one take on it. So she wrote it one time and then they went off to set up the next set and she kind of sat over in the corner for 20 minutes and cried. <laughs> and then, and then she was right back into the game. I mean, she does it every single time. Yeah, we did. We did like three or four films with her before she started making movies with you guys, and she was generally very open to doing a mm-hmm. lot of stuff. But she definitely has blossomed uh, with the grommets um, beyond anything she did with us, which I think is great. It's fantastic. Kristen's great. I, I love cutting stuff with her. Um, last was it last year? No, the year before because last year I had the whole uh, appendix thing, which is a whole different story. But the year before, um, I got to cut a film with uh, Lorianne Hill Purcell, mm-hmm. um, and or actually two films because that year we did Inmate and Coverage, and that was also a lot of fun for me to cut something with her because my first my first experience editing uh, Lorianne stuff was in The Fatal Error, mm-hmm. um, and she just had this little 
little tiny bit part as a waitress in that film. And it was like my favorite character in that film. I just love what she did with it. And so I was really, really looking forward to cutting something with her in it. And then in 2013, to have two movies back to back with her in it was so much fun. Yeah, it was a lot of fun to cut her stuff. So how did, um, how did the whole Gromits thing come together for you? Uh, the whole Gromits thing started in 2008. And it was kind of um, a collaboration between me, Mike Brugemeyer, uh, Bill Bork, and Chad, uh, Chad Reese. And it happened at a, it was a meeting of, uh, it's a local um, industry professional organization, the mm-hmm. MCA-I which we now have named the SD Media Pros because it's a little it's a lot easier to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Having a name of an organization, organization with a dash in it and trying to get people to remember that can be yeah. somewhat difficult. So we renamed it. But anyways, back to the story. Uh, I, I first met Mike uh, at, a, at one, of the, one of the meetings, the SDMCAI meetings, where they did a, a showcase, member showcase, uh, where you could, anybody that was a member could bring in the stuff that you've worked on and show your stuff. And I saw Mike's stuff, and then I listened to him talk, and I was really impressed with just his attitude um, and his work. And so the next day, I went back to my shop, and I immediately fired him an email and said, you don't know me, and I don't know you, but I want to work with you at some point in my career. Um, And then through that, we kind of got to know each other, and then we were sitting at another MCAI meeting, and... uh, Afterwards, we're all out in the parking lot tar- talking, and I think it was Chad Reese that said, hey, we should do the 48. And I had done some mastering of all of the 48-hour hour films the year before. Um, and I went, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. Let's do it. So we decided we were going to you know, put a team together and do 2008. And then consequently that year, I wound up getting a job, a corporate uh, gig up in San Jose. And so oh. I had to, I know, I know. So I had to, so I had to bail out of that one. Yeah. Um, and that was the year they did Just a Man. Mm-hmm. Um, an interesting story on that. I'm sitting in a hotel room up in San Jose and I, I'm checking my email and Brugemeyer had sent me a screenshot of Kristen uh, uh, from the camera, right? So what, the, what everything right. looked like. And being as a year ago, I had done the mastering on all of the films. I kind of had an idea of what the production quality was. I looked at that one still frame and I just sent him an email and said, dude, you won. <laughs> you've, you've won it just from the looks of that still frame. And then they did go on to win 2008. And then I started cutting with them in 2009 and I've been with them every year uh, in the 48s, both mm-hmm. San Diego and LA, um, with the exception of last year's LA, because I wound up with my third round of appendicitis and my second appendectomy. Oh, dang. Wow. Wow. Not exactly the summer of Mike Tao, is it? No, and I know people go, well, how do you get two appendectomies? I just got lucky enough to have two. Yeah. So, and, and, yeah. and interestingly enough, the first one was uh, a week and a half before the 48 in 2010, um, when we did uh, Fatal Error. And, but luck, that was a week and a half before, so I had time to recover to the point where I could still edit. Mm. The one last year... I came down with it on Wednesday morning and I'm like, I'm done. So I had to call Mike and tell him you got to find another editor. Yeah. I remember him talking about that at the, I think the winter showcase. Yeah. When we were on stage. That was uh, the one when they did uh, undercovers. Undercovers. Yeah. 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 Undercovers was that. year. But you came in and did a, 
Did you hear that? It's weird buzzing. Though. Like you came in and did a like a uh, did a re-edit on the film. Yeah, you? I did a recut on the film. The um, the cut that went to L.A. was not the greatest cut, and so Mike asked me to oh, recut the film. It, that was that was the version that didn't have John Maxwell in it, right? Yeah, John got completely <laughs> cut out. It was kind of. It, it kind of broke my heart when I, because I had seen the film that went to LA mm-hmm. and then um, I, I, Mike handed me the raw footage and I looked through the raw footage and I'm like, oh my God, there's such a better film in here. Yeah. Um, and because Jonathan and, and, um, and Kristen, Kristen were yeah. hilarious. They were, yeah. And that's another story. Pizzas and corn, do- corn dogs, yeah. That's another story of us just completely screwing with Kristen. Because those of you that know Kristen know <laughs> she that she eat eats, she, yeah, yeah, she eats very clean, very healthy, very <laughs> non-GMO. Well, she was and, studying and, to be a nutritionist for a while. Oh, was she? If I recall. Yeah. I had no idea. And she's not a big fan of the fart humor, too. So I just love the fact that. <laughs> There's Phil a story Air, there. Yeah, <laughs> made it to con. She's got her ripping ass every 30 seconds. There's a, there's a story on that one, too. I'm going to put my phone well, up We, we worked with buzzing. Kristen about 10 years ago. 10 years ago? This, like, month. Yeah. What's uh, the Vig started production 10 years ago? What's the Vig? Yeah. <laughs> every don't, show. Don't just, watch it. Don't watch it. <laughs> I, now I refuse to watch it. I just want it. <laughs> okay, now I have to watch it, though, because, I mean, I listen to the podcast, Humble and you beginning. guys work it in every <laughs> single time. Into, um, I even worked it into my I intro at the, at the best time. It's available on Amazon right now. I saw that. <laughs> we didn't yeah, work it into John Allen's yeah. podcast that we did last week. <laughs> <laughs> As John Allen laughs Shush, on the couch. John, you're not on the couch over there. <laughs> he brought champagne. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Two <laughs> credits in one day. <laughs> Um, uh, of the films that you've made with the Grommets, which one is your favorite? Uh, I think my favorite one is the one that we just did for LA prior to, prior to that, it was coverage. Um, but the reason for the list, which is the one we did this year mm-hmm. for LA, the reason it's my favorite is cause that film scared the hell out of me cutting it. Mm-hmm. Um, the film is Marianne Bates put it best. I, it's it's a cross between Beaches and Weekend with Bernie. Oh, uh, so it's it's got the first these, one though, right? It's yeah. got these huge, huge. Yeah, the first one. It's got these huge, huge emotional lows and these huge, huge emotional highs. It's yeah. there's parts in it that are hilarious. Mm-hmm. Um, myself and uh, Kenseth Thibodeau uh, wrote this like song in the middle of it that's like happy go lucky and there's all this fun stuff happening and that's the first footage that I got and I cut all this together and then the next round of footage I got was the very last scene of this film which is hugely emotion, emotional uh, Ron Christopher Jones is the actor in it and he's, he's crying good. and I'm I'm looking at the footage I'm just previewing the footage and I'm crying in the edit bay looking at it and then I'm going I don't know how the hell this Cuts with this, you know, I don't know how this sad, sad scene cuts together with this crazy, funny scene. Um, And through the process of getting it and getting other footage in, it just worked. So to go through that like emotional roller coaster as an editor on that film um, was tons of fun. And I think a lot of us grommets, that is during this film. And I will actually I know this from talking to him. A lot of us through the process of that film, we're going, I, I don't know what we're making here. Yeah. You know, I know that Mike Brueggemeyer was was really questioning what was happening and what he was doing through the process of directing it. Wow. I was questioning that through the process of editing it. But I think all of us <laughs> mistakenly just assumed that everybody else knew what the hell they were doing. So we couldn't be the one to let it drop. 
right? So we couldn't be the one to just drop it and screw it up. So we all just kind of kept moving this train forward. And and what we wound up with, I think, is an absolutely beautiful film. Buddy genre? Buddy film, yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I talked to Ron Christopher. He's a he's a good actor. He's an underrated actor, I think. Yes, actually. I would agree. Yeah, it's a cute movie. You know, the 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 song is fucking hysterical, <laughs> <laughs> and the story behind that song is um, Brugemeyer in the in the brainstorm had mentioned to me. Okay, the song that I'm that I'm thinking that I'm hearing in the middle of this. Let me tell you about my best friend. Exactly. <laughs> oh, is it, <laughs> is it that song? No. Well, that was the, that was, was the inspiration. Was ish, ish. Okay. Yeah. And so they created something. Oh, cool. Completely unique for their movie, but right. has that kind of. Was that a Beatles? Mike calls it an earworm. <laughs> has no, that kind of earworm? It wasn't a Beatles song. Who sung that song? I have sang that song? no I don't idea. think I've ever known who sang that song. No. It was a theme was a song. It was a theme song for a '70s show called "The Courtship of Eddie's Father." Okay. Um, yeah. It was a '70s and Ron and Big. Show. I don't know if you ever saw that show. It was on MTV. It was dumb. Oh, anyway, um, <laughs> so I sent I sent I sent a link. That song's perfect for a buddy film. So I'm glad that they yeah. kind of took that and like an homage to that song. Yeah. that's perfect. And yeah. so I sent a link of that of that song to Kenseth, who was the composer. And said, you know, Mike's kind of hearing this, something like this in his head. So Kenseth sent me back the, um, what became the chorus to the song that's in the film. And I listened to this chorus and I went, oh God, this has to go to another level. So I sent Kenseth an email and I said, do you care if I write lyrics to this? And he's like, no, hell, go for it. So I wrote, I wrote, you know, three or four verses to this thing. I send it back to him. This is all going on on Saturday while everybody else is shooting. I send him like three or four verses of lyrics. And I kid you not, within a half an hour, I had a finished song back from this guy. Within a half an hour. And then wow. that, pretty impressive. yeah, Kenseth Thibodeau is like one of the most amazing composers I've ever, ever worked with. And for me as an editor, it's such a joy to have a composer that I can just trust. And, and as I'm cutting, even though things in the music aren't quite matching perfectly, I know that in the morning, once we get picture lock, I can send something off to Kenseth and what's going to come back is going to be beautiful. Nice. Um, and so he's just, yeah, an absolute joy to work with that guy. San Diego based? Uh, yes, Kenseth is San Diego oh, okay. based. Cool. Give him a little plug for the San Diego community. All right, I'm going to take a break from talking and fill my beer. <laughs> Hold on. Uh, That's the way you can hear it. Glasses are empty. So uh, did you win beer. an award? Uh, it was last night was the screening? Uh, last night was the screening. You'll for, find out tonight if you get the audience choice, right? Right. Oh, Sometimes today, I think oh, okay. we find out. So yeah, the okay. screening, the LA screening was last night, right? Um, which means I didn't get to bed until like three o'clock this morning. Ooh. Um I but, didn't go to LA, but I didn't get to bed till three o'clock this morning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Damn you, Eddie night. Lane. That's what happens when you hang out with Eddie Lane at Vision Pulse. <laughs> <laughs> I was like that on Sunday night. <laughs> That's okay. We'll let it slide, Eddie. <laughs> <laughs> But we're anxious to know. I know all of San Diego is rooting for the Gromits. As soon as we knew you guys were heading up to L.A., all of us got on, you know, the Gromits train. And so we all are eager as just as much as you guys are to see. Are you guys the only San Diego-based team to I, do it in L.A.? Or you know, I, well, no. I don't know for sure, but I don't think we are. I think I remember, I remember okay. talking to someone, and I can't tell you who it is. Um, during the San Diego 48. You can't tell you don't remember? I don't remember. No, because I don't remember. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's not because it's a secret. No, it's because I don't remember. Uh, but they said they were going to He's an editor. He hides in dark rooms and doesn't remember <laughs> names and faces. 
<laughs> and I have to keep everything under wrap until it screens, uh, yeah. sign NDAs. Exactly. And, um, <clears throat> but so I don't remember who it was. I know in our screening last night there was a uh, there was a team from Las Vegas in, mm. in that screening, um, and I was I don't know if I should say this or not, but I was pretty underwhelmed with the films that were in the screening group up in LA. I think it's completely okay to yeah, be honest about LA your show. <laughs> well, getting to where you're at, I understand you don't want to like bash, but you know, to, to give a fair critique of what you see, I think is completely, completely okay. And with the track record that the grommets have, you know, people should listen to your honest critiques of stuff because you guys have one of the most successful track records in the competition in the world. So, you know, by all means, what'd you think of the other movies? <laughs> you know, there was, there was 14 films in the screening group that we saw two of which were late films. Um, but really out of those 14 films, in my opinion, there was only three of them that were even watchable. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, uh, one of the, <laughs> sorry. Oh, no, that's all right. I don't, that's fair. I applaud your honesty. I think yeah. the same thing. I think one of the things that happens in LA, mm-hmm. um, is you have a lot of actors in LA. Yeah. And so when the 48 come, comes around, I think a lot of them think, well, let's do a 48 and then I can have some stuff for my reel. Sure. Right. And but what happens when you do that is you don't wind up with a concise story that is cool. You wind up with a bunch Ego of projects. actors giving monologues, yeah. right? And then nothing kind of runs together into a story. Yeah. Um, and that's where it's about making stories, kids. That's why we do this, to yeah. tell stories. Well, we have that problem with some of the films here in San Diego, too. Mm-hmm. Not so much that the actors are trying to showcase their work. It's just... People aren't focused on telling a complete story. Yeah, They're too convinced. interested in whatever particular gimmick they've got. Or, right. You know, yeah. we're, we're going to go shoot something in the desert or we're going to yeah. shoot something on the beach. Or It's like, okay, well, what's the point of shooting there? What is it you're trying to accomplish? What's the story? Yeah. Always, what's the story? What is the story? Well, see, but you're an editor, too. That's why you say that. Yeah. No. <laughs> I mean, I do. I'm a reluctant editor, too, though, because like, I hate editing. Do you really? <laughs> yeah, it drives me nuts. Yeah, see, I'm on the other side of that fence. I, lo- I love sitting in a dark room and putting footage together and turning it into a story. For me, that's just, that's joy. That's why well, I hate writing. I hate editing. But I end up doing both because, I don't know, I guess I don't trust people to do it for me. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, I end up doing don't both. Don't you think as a filmmaker you got to work on that? What, letting other people do stuff for yeah. me? Yeah, I do. Yeah. So if Mike is ever available to edit one of my films, I'd be happy to. But I know his workload's really heavy. That, I think uh, with Lefty. What's that? You've recently done that with Lefty, though. You didn't write it, you didn't direct it, but you were there to. Well, no, I just helped. I helped on Carl's okay. film. All right, know. that's fair. You know, and as being <laughs> I'm a editing director, his you... film. Oh, you are. Unless but... Mike Tao is interested. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm always interested in editing films. But you kind of took a you know a, a seat to you know Carl's direction. So yeah, I, I got no problem working yeah. on someone else's film. I'm saying, but my films. Mm. You know, the ones that I slap intellectual entertainment on and, you know, directed by David Dawson. It's like, I get so. You want to control it all because it's yours. It's got to make, it's got to, it's got to, it's got to be my vision, you know, like all the way across. And I would argue that that just means you haven't found the right people to work with yet because you haven't found the ones that you trust yet. Yeah. I haven't found an editor I trust. To, to see the vision that you have, but then to also be able to enhance that vision as well. Um, young editors that are listening, if you go to cut a director's film, yes, you're going to have ideas on things that you want to do, but cut it the way the director wants it cut. First, 
Right. Then go in and do whatever you want to do um, and show them both. But by cutting it the way the director wanted you to cut it, that shows that director that you respect his or her vision, right? Mm. Before you start screwing with his or her vision, yeah. right? Because you got to build that trust first. Well, I've edited four other people That's a, a bunch advice. of times. There's a guy up in LA that I've worked with three or four times, and I've edited um, all of the films that I've worked with on him. And what I do with him is he, I, I take all the footage, I go home, I edit you know, the movie the way I think he wants to see it. But then I also make the cut that I like, and I go, here you go. Look at both of these. I think this one's better. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and I give him the option to look yeah. at them both. I mean, I had an experience with, with Mike, with Brueggemeyer, on, on the tw- 2013's cut film coverage, where the last, the last two scenes in that film were independent scenes. It was one character delivering all of her lines and another character delivering all of her lines. Um, and as an editor, I cut it that way and I looked at it and I said, this doesn't really work because we're moving through this story to a very pivotal point. So what I need to do is speed everything up until we get to that point so that we can slam on the brakes and by slamming on the brakes, make people lean forward and pay attention to that moment. So I went in and I intercut those two scenes. And when Mike came in in the morning to take a look at the, the first assemble that I had, I told him, okay, I've cut this thing two ways. I've cut it the way it was in the script and I've cut it a way that I think it works. And I'll show you the one that was in the script first. Mike looked me dead in the eye and went, no, I don't want to see that. I want to see what you've done. And that's what wound up in the film. But Mike and I have also spent that time to build that trust with each other. Yeah. And I think you and Brian probably have that too. Um, You guys. My mic, my mic, my mic crapped out. That was what that noise was. Okay. Yeah. I heard that too. (laughs) Back. I heard, I did not hear that noise, and now you know why I'm not a sound guy. Come back. <laughs> my, 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 no. Is it totally dead? Yeah. So yeah. We, can't, we can't hear you at all? Let me have that mic real quick. <clears throat> <laughs> Mark and I are going to be sharing a mic for the rest of the day. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, now, the, uh, Brian and I have worked together for a very, very long time. Right. Um, and I've gotten to a point now with Brian where I, I fully trust him to be my DP like in almost everything we do, although we're moving on to some bigger projects now where I think we might be reaching beyond his experience level. So I'm mm. actually looking for another DP to work with. Bill Bork. Um, but um, the editing thing, it's just, I've got a real particular vision for my films and how they're cut. You know, I like L cuts. I like J cuts. Mm-hmm. I, like, I like mixing things up. I tend to shoot three camera. I don't know if you've listened to enough shows to know that. But so I, you like multicam? I like everything? multicam. Oh, I hate multicam. <laughs> <laughs> See, yeah. but I, you know, I, I love multicam, uh, not because of how it cuts, mm-hmm. but because of what it allows me to do with the actors as a director. Mm. Uh, because we do a lot longer takes. Um, the actors get to really interact more instead of separate you know, reaction shots and separate right. lines of dialogue delivered to you know, a card next to the... <laughs> the camera, you know, no right. stand-ins. Um, so I like the kind of more theatrical ability to work with the actors on that way and that level. But it does make the editing more difficult yep. because I got so many more options and so many different choices to yep. to pick from. And, you know, following the rabbit trail of where 
everything's at and where it's gone because you got one clip on the line, but I could switch between three or four angles on that one yeah. at any time. And yeah, yeah, it, it's a different, it's a much different beast from editing. I think it's a trade-off. Um, if you do, if you shoot multicam, you're going to have brilliant continuity, right? right? All your continuity problems go away. Go away. <laughs> but if you shoot single camera, I as an editor wind up with more options on performance. Um, because I've got the master shot, I've got the covered shots, right? So what's being shot multiple times and I have all of these options to choose from when it comes to performance. And to me, performance wins over continuity every single time. I will cut something with a huge continuity mistake in it if it's the best performance. Mm -hmm. Um, I recently cut a, it was like a short scene. It was more of like a workshop thing. Um, And uh, I was sitting and editing it and there was a shot where it's a shot that goes from a medium shot of a girl who's pulling a gun out of a briefcase, right? And as she's pulling the gun out of the briefcase, it cuts to an overhead shot of the gun coming out of the briefcase. I cut on this scene for eight hours. And then I had the, the DP, who was also kind of working as a, as a I think she was a, an assistant director on it as well. She came in and we sat there and we looked at this thing for like four hours, None of us ever noticed that when it cut to the overhead shot, there was uh, like a fireplace, the bottom of a fireplace hearth um, on the ground. And that's where the so- the sound guy was standing to hold the boom. Yeah. And his friggin' shoes were in the shot. Oh, my God. And none of us ever noticed it because yeah. your eye was drawn to the motion of the gun coming out of the bag. And so, yeah. again, I go back to performance over continuity every single time. That's interesting. I wonder if they do that a lot in Hollywood, too. Well, I mean, of course I, they do. I love. Yeah, absolutely. We're, we're there at. The names what film flubs, right? Mm-hmm. I I love film flubs. Like you can go back uh, a masterpiece like Braveheart. If you actually go back and see it, there's a lot of film flubs in it. You see like extras goofing around, like mm-hmm. yeah, I could show you. Like I used to do this in college. We used to get drunk and watch Braveheart, and like there's a whole scene <laughs> when they all run at like the end. Mm-hmm. Like there's a scene when a guy like literally like scratches his nuts, and I don't know. It's it, but it's. Well, it's wow. tough when you're dealing with huge numbers of extras yeah. to keep them all on point every single take. And, right. and to, to, mm-hmm. to what you're saying, where's the focal point of the shot? Right. And does any of that extra stuff really fucking matter when no. 99% <laughs> no, of the audience right, is going right. to be looking at Braveheart right. running Just in the for forward? weirdos like me, yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. If, as an editor, if, you, if, you, if your end game is to cut a film with absolutely zero continuity errors in it, mm-hmm. um, just go get a job driving a truck because it's, <laughs> it's, it's not <laughs> going to happen. happen yeah. Well, I'm, yeah. not, I'm not super worried about the continuity stuff. For me, mm-hmm. it's just about performance and how I work with the actors. So you feel you get a better performance doing a multicam? I do. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And, and Interesting. Because some actors aren't actually very good at delivering a line to a stand-in or right. to a you know, card on a stand, you know, they they just, they need that interaction. They need to look another human being eye to eye. And, you know, depending on the, on the performance piece, I I tend to find that I get better performances on a, on a multicam shoot because I can just, just let them focus on acting. And we, we just move the cameras around where we need them. Right. Right. And just kind of keep rolling. Yeah. And what I tend to do is I still, I still end up shooting as many takes (laughs) Uh-huh. As, as I did on on single camera, but I've got all these different options 
because of the three angles on every single take. So even when I'm shooting, you know, a wide coverage shot, you know, which we would normally do anyway, I'll still be running two cameras on, For the on longer lenses, you know, doing OTSs or, or you know, Dutch angling on something. O- OTS? Over the shoulder. Over the shoulder. shoulder. Ah, sorry. No, it's fine. It's okay. Not everybody knows that. Sorry, Sorry. editor turn. Yeah, you're doing the same. L L shot, J shot. J cuts and L cuts. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, I I personally, as an actor, the more I learn from my crew, the better. Because then it actually helps me deliver my lines easier. It helps me give you the, you give me the right direction then. I know which camera to look in. I know, you know, where where my eye line is Where's my eye line? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, if I have a wide shot, where my frame is. It, and it helps me understand how hard your job really is. Yeah. So when I walk onto a set, my crew is number one. They eat before I do. They do everything. I'm. I feel like my job is to make sure they realize how awesome they are because my job is not nearly as hard as theirs. And so when I listen to you guys talk, I'm like so excited because I know that I'm never going to do any of this Nobody stuff. Nobody gets but excited about yeah. editors. What the hell are you talking about? No, because now, now Have you ever edited I, before? I, I worked with Dave on Jody's birthday video, and that was oh. my first. Technically, that was my first like. You were like a producer, I guess. On that. yeah, and we put it together, and it was so much fun because yeah. I had not only did I get to work with all of you guys, which mm-hmm. are extremely talented and hilarious, and Jody loved it, but then I got to work with David, and David showed me how strenuous and just meticulous it is to do what you do. And so the fact that you can sit in a dark room and love going over these shots for eight hours with a smile on your face is beautiful. That's how you know you love it. It's a dirty job, but someone's got to do it. And I'm glad that like people like you Mm -hmm. like it. Well, I think the lesson. I I think the lesson (laughs) is two or three times. Oh, the lesson to um, I think the lesson to learn here is um, when you're going to be in the room with Kristen, just bring a bottle of champagne. (laughs) (laughs) She'll say wonderfully nice things about you. That's the takeaway from episode one hundred and (laughs) nine. No, but you know what? Good on you for for trying to learn what you can about the different crew positions. Because I think anybody is a filmmaker. The more you know Mm -hmm. about. Every, everybody's job, mm-hmm. the better filmmaker you're going to be, whether you're an actor, whether you're a DP, whether you're an editor, a director, producer, learn as much of it as you can mm-hmm. yeah. because it yeah. will help you whatever your chosen craft is. Well, yeah. I, find, I find for an actor to sit down with, the, with an editor and actually watch that process a little bit, they start to understand why it's so important to hit their marks mm-hmm. where they're supposed to be, to be in light mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, or, you know, to, Keep eye lines the right direction, you know, all those sorts of things. I would argue that the most important thing as a an up and coming actor that you need to learn, the most the most important advice I can give you as an editor is don't just act, react. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Because oh, there's yeah, so good. many yes. so many new editors that will they'll deliver a line and then just sit back and do nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I grew up playing ice hockey, so I refer to it as skating without the puck. Right. right? Yeah. When you deliver that line, you have to start reacting to the line that the other character is delivering, especially mm-hmm. in genres like romance. Romance is told in the close up and the reaction mm-hmm. shot. Exactly. It's not the fact that I love you. It's how you react to the fact that I love you. Exactly. That tells that story. Comedy, too, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think um, I think with comedy. There's so much that can be done with with camera work and with editing to enhance every moment of comedy that you can get. Mm-hmm. And I think um, a lot of filmmakers these days have gone away from that and are just 
just um, leaning on the clever dialogue. Mm-hmm. There's um, I, for those of you that aren't like familiar every Judd with Judd Apatow it, film or a lot of a lot of Will Ferrell stuff. Will Ferrell, you know? yeah. um, mm-hmm. there's a, there's a guy out there that has a YouTube channel called Every Frame of Painting, and mm-hmm. if you're not familiar with this mm-hmm. guy, go go look at it. He yeah. did a whole he did a whole um, uh, a whole uh, story on this, um, a whole video, a whole YouTube video on it, and he he used uh, Edgar Wright's films oh, as an nice. example. I love all of them. And some of the stuff that Edgar Wright does just with the way he'll cut things, right? Have a fight scene that is it's it's in time with the beats of the music can be hilarious. Yeah. yeah. The way that somebody Shaun of the like, Dead, yeah. The way somebody enters the frame, exits the frame. Hilarious. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of stuff to bring back into filmmaking, comedic filmmaking. Okay. If you're making a comedy, suck all of the comedy you can out of it. Don't just rely on silly lines. Yeah. There's so much other comedy out there. Yeah, there's gotta be blocking. Mm-hmm. You, you, you need to understand moving your actors, moving your camera. Yep. Not just having everybody sit down and talk. Everything can't be clerks. Right. This is true. <laughs> clerks, yeah. yeah. And God forbid it shouldn't be clerks. Right? <laughs> <laughs> you would agree we'll that there's you, a Kevin, huge yeah. difference between comedic editing and dramatic editing, right? Oh, yeah, yeah of course. Okay, yeah. 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 I mean, there's certain things that are that are similar from, from genre to genre yeah. when you're editing. But yeah, I mean, different different genres edit together Comedic editing is, yeah, it's like being Chris and... Soldiers of Misfortune. I got to give it a plug. Yeah. Uh, but uh, the ed- we had Jordan Jacobo of Jordan Hates. He edited it. And, um, you know, he directed it too. And I didn't really know what he was. He was like, all right, we, we need that, but we need, it, we need it tighter. So I'm like, all right, cool. So we made it tighter. I didn't really know what he visualized. He did as a director and also as an editor. But once we saw it, mm-hmm. it's, uh, it really, it, it just holds true. Like he knows yeah. when to cut it. It's like a mean? comedy documentary. Like kind of like you know 911. Yeah. Oh, so like style. a mockumentary yeah, kind of thing? Yeah. Like mockumentary yeah, style. Kind of filmmaking. He's really good at it, yeah. It's, there's, this, there's a whole style behind where to cut on those. And he did so he far. nailed it. I think he did a great job yeah. so far. And I'm biased. I'm in it. So we're you. both in it. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, it's comedy. It's all about timing, right? Yeah. And there's it's so much it. you can do with the timing of and a joke get and edit. as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, from some, you know, grommet advice, I'm sure it'll be fantastic. Okay. Hey, what, uh, what, how'd that name become? The Amalgamated Grommets? Yeah. Um, the story that Mike always tells is that, um, that first year, um, Chad Reese called Mike because he was getting ready to turn in the paperwork for mm-hmm. for our group and said, "All right, well, what should we name it?" And Mike just off the top of his head, just kind of flippant went, "You know, amalgamated grommets." Is that a thing? It's just what was in his head. Wow! And then it got turned in as that, and so it's just kind of stuck. Wow! So I wish that there was some amazing, yeah. wonderful story behind it, but no, it's just that boring. Like I'm like, what the hell's a grommet? Yeah. Okay. That's it. It works. That's the story. Ag. Nice. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Mike, if you know Mike at all, I mean, he's he's quirky and he's fun and he he doesn't talk all the time. But when right. Mike speaks, he's hilarious. And so that makes perfect sense that he would just have he's this dry like, wit. Mm, Mel yeah. Big Grommets. Done and done. You know, I've he, worked with him a couple times on the. He works on digital posts. Yeah, he works yeah. on DOP stuff. Yeah. I've, I've worked on him like with, you know, a couple times on that. And I kind of know him through through some of your submissions um, over the last couple of years to the San Diego Film Festival. Mm-hmm. But I, like I've never worked with him in a. Mike is one of the most interesting directors I've ever worked with Mm -hmm. in the sense that he has, I think directors can manage people in two ways, just like corporate managers can manage people in two ways. You can either manage them by fear or you can manage them by 
respect and a feeling of inclusion, right? Mm -hmm. And Mike is the latter of those two. Mm -hmm. If you are on a crew with him, I don't care what you're doing. You're going to feel like whatever that job is, is the most important job on that set because he's going to make you feel that way. Mm -hmm. And by do, and he genuinely believes that, that it's a giant machinery and every cog in this piece of machinery is just as important as any other. Mm -hmm. And I think when you, when you, when people genuinely realize that that's how you feel, they'll go to the ends of the earth for you. Um, and, and, and that's how he gets the most out of, out of the crews that he works with. And, yeah. Performances. Crew um, editing. Yeah. Editing, DPs, grips, running for C-stands all night long. I mean, that's how he gets it. And that's a brilliant way to manage people. I think as a director... Your biggest job is just managing people. Well, it helps that he regularly puts out quality work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I actually looked up. Gromit. I wanted to look up this. Yeah. So amalgamate. The, okay. the, the actual definition of this is to combine or unite to form one organization or structure. Okay. So amalgamated. That makes sense. And Gromit, Urban Dictionary calls it a young surfer. Yeah, well, that's, so, that's the oh, slang, term, that's for a a slang term, term for I'm surprised that it's just a young surfer from yeah. Urban Dictionary. But that's what it is. But it's a grommet is a ring or edge sharp inserted into a hole through thin material, typically a sheet or textile fabric sheet material and yeah. or a composite of carbon fiber, wood, or honeycomb. Yeah. It's like, it's like, it's like on a flag. Yep. The, the so you're, you're, all a bunch of, you're all a bunch of metal and honeycomb shoved together. Mm. If you insist. <laughs> <laughs> Wear it well. Yeah, wait a Are you a surfer yourself? No, I have never been on a surfboard in my life, probably I, because I'm 6'4 and about 305 pounds, and I would need didn't like stop a the big old yeah, the big kahuna. board. Samoans. So, yeah, no, I've never been on a surfboard. I, you know, I grew up in San Diego, but I've never been. Oh, you did? Okay. I've never been much of a beach guy. I, here's what an oddity I am. I grew up in San Diego playing ice hockey. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Yeah. You do have a little bit of reason. You got a weird That's look why, from John I'm Allen. I'm surprised that you said <laughs> John Allen's still here on the couch. I'll get some more. Yes. It's very strong. That's because you're sitting down. He's good. Yes. Now, the reason why I asked that, because you, you, you know, you're wearing the, uh, the purple Hawaiian shirt right now. Oh, this the one. The audience can't see that. This purple Hawaiian shirt came from the source, Hilo Hatties in Maui. Mm -hmm. okay. My wife and I went to Hawaii for the first time. Oh, yeah year and a half ago mm -hmm. and again i'm not a beach person but in and hawaii in i'm a beach person because there's a different vibe sure, on a yeah. beach in hawaii plus you're on vacation and you're on vacation yeah yeah. See, the funny thing is they wear those in the Midwest, but nobody goes to the beach well, so it's really odd in the, in the winter time yeah. to see these it's strange i used to wear these in college a lot <laughs> I, I, I had a that. nickname little little kahuna that was my nickname. Was it? There was a big kahuna and a little kahuna. That was the little kahuna. Who was the big kahuna? Right. Uh, he was like this radio guy. And like, I'm like, dude, who's this guy? I was like probably 18. He was like 25. I'm like, this guy's awesome. Like he, he, he was an announcer for, uh, for, I was in like punk and ska back then. So he was like the announcer, the MC. And I don't know. That, that was kind of my, I guess, humbling beginnings into the theatrical world. Cool. Yeah. So, so do you have a music background as well? Uh, no, not really. I used to just go up on stage and announce the band on I'd, I'd skank. You know what that is? Nice. Yeah, I'd skank mm -hmm. yep. and I'd crowd surf. And he was like the team I'd manager in the sports yeah, world. I was the, yeah, or, or like, uh, do you remember the Money Money Bostons? Absolutely. Yes. Of course. I was the, I, the, I think his name is Ben Carr. I was that. So I'd get okay. up on stage and dance like an idiot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Skank around. That was, yeah, yeah some of my early yeah. stage presence. <laughs> Where did you go? 
How did you get into editing? <laughs> um, I, I got into editing and production through the time honored way of driving a dump truck. Get out. You know? Wow. I, um, I got out of high school. I graduated high school in 1984. What high school? Um, Granite Hills here Granite Hills. In, uh, in San Diego in El Cajon. Um, and not long after that, I married my high school sweetheart, Tony Aww. Tao. Oh, wow. I am still like married to. Wow. Yeah. wow. yeah, we grew up together. We met, I was 16 and she was 14 when we met. High school sweetheart. Friggin' disgusting. That isn't is. I'm going to vomit. I'm going to vomit. So, um, got married and, and. Vomit, vomit. And immediately, and I went to work driving dump trucks. Wow. And I, I drove dump trucks and hauled heavy equipment for six, seven years. But I'd always kind of been interested in production mm-hmm. um, and had always kind of done, you know, family video stuff. And I was always doing something mm-hmm. in like the video world. And at one point I decided, you know, construction was starting to kind of die out. Late 80s, early 90s, and I decided, okay, I'm just going to take some money I got, buy a camera, buy an edit system, and just do this on nights and weekends. And that's what I did. I was shooting weddings. I was shooting Mm -hmm. events. I was Mm -hmm. doing a little bit of corporate stuff here and there. Um, And what finally got me out of construction and doing production full time, I had a good friend of mine who I'd known since I was in elementary school and his wife worked up at Qualcomm in mm. in a department that was their video department. I'm making air quotes, video department. But what they were really doing was doing a lot of like shooting lectures mm-hmm. um, to educate engineers within the company. Mm-hmm. And they kind of wanted to take it to the next level. They had bought an edit system that at the time I owned and I was like the guru in San Diego on it. For any of you really, really old school editors, it was the fast video machine. Oh, nice. um, and And so they hired me on over there to cut for them and, and to kind of teach them how to use that system and start taking that department to the next level of doing more marketing stuff, more trade show stuff. Excuse me, I'm just burping. <laughs> <laughs> I heard that too. I'm going to let you go. Fear. <laughs> um, so, so great. He no, doesn't edit that a in. goddamn thing no. out when he was talking about yeah. That'll stay. Yeah. <laughs> Whoops. I've done Deep. podcasts before. There's no time for editing. Well, not for podcasts. Um, so, I did to, bleep out my F bomb in Laura Bolin's. I heard that. Oh, you did? <laughs> yeah, he did. He kept it classy. I'm sure her mother's going to appreciate that. <laughs> so, to make a long story short, I spent nine years um, at Qualcomm um, in house doing corporate production after corporate production, having my soul sucked Suck away from right me. out of you. Yeah, mm. exactly. You're like, um, why did I leave the dump truck? Yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> I, if I had to look at another script that talked about positive proof points and value propositions mm. and a synergistic uh. relationship, I was going to fucking shoot someone. Like, I was a corporate yeah. AV guy for years, yeah. tra- traveling various conventions and shows and whatever. If I have to sit through another freaking proctologist exam. Oh. <laughs> oh, if I have to sit through one more of those in my life, but I would kill myself. I did an entire two-week conference myself. once that was nothing but butt, butt science. Wow. wow. It was horrible. Was there a lot of assholes there? <laughs> oh, hey. Uh, <laughs> That should also be a band name. Butt science. Butt Butt science, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) We are butt science. (laughs) The art of anus. Opening up. What is it? The the beach dust. Woo! Beach dust booger. Rick the Rock! Yeah! Best show I've ever seen. Fantastic. Yeah, Yeah. corporate shit is like, it pays the bills. Nice segue. There's no... 
joy in it. Uh, well, you know the adage, one for the meal and one for the real, right? Hmm. Yeah. Can I just do it all for the real? Yeah. Well, you can if you don't want to eat. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you don't, don't want to die. You don't have one. <laughs> that's, that's, it's sad, but true here in San Diego. Yeah. No, and I do, I still do a lot of corporate stuff. I mean, yeah. this morning, uh, before I came here, uh, you know, I've got a job for a high tech co- uh, company and I was rewriting their acronyms into a script that actually makes sense to somebody who's not an engineer, Yeah. you know, and, and those jobs pay well and they're boring as hell to do, but that that allows me to then cut somebody's short film for a grand, right? Mm-hmm. Because I've made the money doing the corporate okay, stuff to spend. <laughs> yeah, I know. I've That's actually true. edited. Yeah. I've, I've, I've edited shorts for less than that. He mm. won't work for less than a grand. <laughs> do you do uh, actors' reels by any chance? I, yes, I've done actors' reels before. <laughs> oh, look, John Allen's all John Murphy again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, you know what kind I want? Oh. Cheers to that. Sean Allen's like, this guy will bring me beer and do my reel. I'm in. So, yeah, I mean, but to be honest with you, the first thing that the first thing that I ask when somebody wants me to cut their short is mm. who was your sound guy or gal? Mm. Who did your sound? Because that's the biggest pain in the ass for an editor. Mm-hmm. And then the second thing I want to know is, you know, what's the story? And I want to see some of the performances. Um, to hmm. know whether it's it's worth doing or not. Because, I mean, if I'm going to cut, I just got done cutting a short, a 14-minute short for 500 bucks. But I knew that Frank Forth was the sound guy on it. And Frank does amazing work. I've worked with him with the Grommets as well as hired him for corporate jobs. So I knew that my audio was going to be good. And I saw some of the performances. And some of the performances were absolutely amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I knew... I would have good performances to work with. I would have good sound to work with. So I wasn't going to be fighting all the way through it mm-hmm. because it's in, in, editing is this interesting art form where everything, all of the art that I create is completely dependent on what other people give me. Right. Right. Exactly. So I don't want to be trying to paint with dried up paint brushes and horrible paints um, for no money, right? Yeah. But if I've got really good paint brushes and really great paint on my palette, then there's it's a joy to, to work with it, uh-huh. right? And so it's not as the money is not as important. Right? Yeah. So that's a good a metaphor. I like that. That's beautiful. Yeah, I think. Yeah, you can steal that shit, use it wherever you want. <laughs> Taking it. Great. Uh, let me ask you this. Uh you how you probably hate working like an actor like like me like a improv actor um okay go ahead all of us <laughs> give it to him gently man all, all of us that that look who's look who's perking up yeah. over in the John corner Alan's gay. Mm. <laughs> speaking my language <laughs> all of us that are all of us that work in this business that are actors mm. we love actors but do you always got to be a fucking actor? <laughs> Sometimes just back it off a little bit, right? <laughs> you but I, and I, you know what? But I totally you brought the beer. Are you totally claiming that some of our actors overact? No, it's not over. It's not overacting. What? How dare you? I'm I can't not, believe it. Divas. I am absolutely not talking I have about. No idea who you're talking about. 
I'm absolutely not talking about when you're on what camera. I'm talking you? about when you're off camera. Oh, <laughs> so right. many. T- you guys know what I'm talking. Come on, you have to just be real for you once, have to. please. Uh, you guys are like always on all the time, and I totally understand why you have to do that because everybody wants to be an actor. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> what the devil? What are you talking about from the guy that calls himself the John? <laughs> Please follow him on Twitter at King John Allen. As well. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you guys bringing up a podcast that happened last week? What's up with that? But understand that I totally, I totally get it. <laughs> John, Al- the John Allen is biting his tongue. First of all, I'm not here. That was a week oh, ago. Hold on, hold on, back off. <laughs> Back off of the microphone because I won't be able. Nobody will be able to edit that audio. Clippy, Remember clippy. what I just said about audio? Okay, He's come on, come on back over. Say what you're going to say, but leave a, a comfortable distance between you and the microphone. Go. First of all, you act like I didn't do that on crowdsource. <laughs> I'm sorry. I asked if we had pumpernickel and craft services. I'm sorry. <laughs> yes. So it brings back the character. So, uh, Mike, do you care to illustrate an example of what you just said? Let let me qualify this. Again, like I said, it's not about when you're on camera. I get it. When you're on camera, be over the top because, you know, you have to be. Because I, I always tell people that are new on camera, if you feel like you're way over the top, you're right where I need you to be. Because it's a different world when you're on camera, but it's the off camera mm. stuff. And I, and again, I understand why you, why you have to do that because you're in an occupation mm. where there is a thousand people in the room screaming for attention mm. and you have to get above the noise. So I understand that. But sometimes for those of us that aren't actors, it's annoying. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, I'll tell you my, my, my best story on this. Yeah. I was working with a corporate producer. No one ever says this. I love it. Air quotes again. because That's because we don't feed them enough alcohol. <laughs> alcohol equals truth. I know. No, see, I fed you alcohol first and then I could harass you about being actors. Sure. You wouldn't punch me. <laughs> there was one Bloody Mary ahead of you. I had that with John Allen uh, last week and it's still in my system. <laughs> so I'm, I'm working on a corporate job and I got a corporate producer, air quotes, producer, mm-hmm. um, and we have a writer that has come in and we're doing, we're doing a casting call. And the first actor comes in and starts off with the phony British accent. You're all actors. You know the phony British accent, right? Boom. Well, the corporate producer starts doing the phony British accent back to the actor. Okay. So it just escalates. Right. right? right. And we go through, we go through the, the audition and the actor leaves, and you can hear the door closing. Click. And the writer looks at the producer and goes, Don't fucking encourage these people. <laughs> these people. That's awesome. So that's the story I have wow. on being yeah. an actor when you're not acting. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's like in the top like three rules of auditions, you don't go in with an accent ever. It's just something you don't do ever in auditions. So, I mean, mm. in that case, you have every right to screw with that person because it's a learning experience for them. At that point, that's... Yeah. They're not learning anything. Well, <laughs> maybe. Maybe they're learning how good the writers 
They walked accent in with a like, shit accent to begin with. They're not learning anything. Was the was did the character have a British accent? No, oh, hell no. It was, uh, not, that's that's not, never do that. Well, you I have a, I have a friend who is dialect and he is English. Well. Uh-huh. I don't even. do that. <laughs> but he's got. He's like, uh, could you do that without the English accent? He's like, well, this is my accent. No, this is my. This is what if I you talk. actually <laughs> have an accent. <laughs> he wasn't from Australia. I said. <laughs> Sorry. I did an Australian accent yeah. for an English. But my, yeah. my other advice to you as an actor or actress, when you're done with an audition, don't sit and talk to people. Just go, just leave. Yeah. The reason being, and, be and this, pieces. I have to accredit this to, to Mike Brugemeyer, and, it's, mm-hmm. and it's, he's absolutely right. Come in, do your audition, and leave. Because mm-hmm. that's what you want to leave me with yeah. as the director or the casting mm-hmm. director is that's your performance, not the conversation that well, you have with yeah, me after. I don't want to hear some bullshit cackle out of you that right. you know, had nothing to do with the character. Do the audition and leave. Let that be Gotta the last thing in their brain. Yeah. I yeah, I guess I could agree with that. Yeah, that's good advice. It's, it's hard. I'm gonna I'm gonna say like it's hard for me because I tend to connect with people very quickly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I've actually I think a lot of auditions I've actually gotten the part a handful of them because Based on you. Yeah. I had my personality as well. But I think that's a great rule of thumb because normally I want to leave, but they keep talking and I'm like, is this a test or should I just keep going? A lot of it, I feel like if it's organic and you're really getting along, just like, you know, I know David wants to know that the people that he's working with, just like you said, you want great performances and a great sound. If you're a casting director or a director, you have to work with these actors for True. 8, 10, 12 hours sometimes. Sometimes I've done overnights. And if you don't have a good crew to work with, you can't and you can't stand the person, yeah. then they yeah. could have a great performance, but they're an asshole. And you're like, yeah. okay, now I have to be with them for 12 hours a yeah. day. You know what? I was, I, I was a mu- musician for years. And, and the, adage, right. the adage yeah. there is, you know, Whoa. you might be the best player in the world, uh-huh. but if it's a guy that I don't want on the bus... I go away. That would be the only thing where I'm like, maybe walking out is not the right Mm -hmm. thing to do. Yeah. If the if the producers behind the table and the director behind the table engage you in something. Oh yeah, if they want to have a conversation, have yeah. the conversation. But yeah, don't impose yourself on them. Yeah, I never engage them, but if they engage Well, me, actors I should never engage. impose themselves on fucking anybody. <laughs> wow. Unless All it's right. done it's with a British like, accent. I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Oh Mike, you are full of such great advice oh, nice. today. But sometimes this. those auditions though, sometimes they want you to audition for the part, and other th- other times they want you to be the yourself. At least you here in San I, Diego. I don't, I don't know how actors do it because, okay. I mean, all of us that are creatives, I mean, even me as an editor, it took me a long time. Which is a creative. Well, yeah. I mean, we're all creatives in this business. I mean, we're just creating at a different point yeah. in the creative process. But when I first started in this business, I had to get used to rejection and not to the level that you guys as actors have to deal with. Mm. Because, I mean, early on, I would be... Cutting a corporate piece, and you know, back then, because I'm an old guy, we were putting it on VHS tapes. And you would have a VHS tape in your hand, and you would go to your client, and you go, here, like me, mm-hmm. right? Not like my work, like me, because this is a reflection of me. Mm-hmm. And then they would go, well, this sucks, and that sucks, and you got to change this, and you got to do that. And you were like, oh, they don't like me, right? Yeah. Um, and, and it took me a while being in the business to understand that it's not about me. It's not about whether they like me or not. If they don't like what I've done, that's fine. We'll just change it and make it to where they like. And I'm, t- and I'm at the point now in my career where I don't want to work with a producer that wants to worry about my ego and worry about you know, hurting my feelings when they tell me something isn't right. Re- because that just wastes time. Mm-hmm. That just wastes my time. If, if you don't yeah. like something, I have no problem with somebody coming in, sitting in my edit bay and going, nope, 
that sucks. We got to change it. Yeah. People because give me grief all the time. They're like, why, why are you, why are you so blunt with people about what you think? I'm like, I'm not doing any fucking favors by lying to them. Yeah. Exactly. Tell me what you want. And then I can get it done. Yeah. And we don't have to spend, we don't have to do this dance of worrying about each other's exactly. egos. Well, um, and there's a difference between just breaking someone down and constructive criticism yeah. and working together. Yeah. So yeah. as long as you see it, I don't see auditions as rejection. I see it as somebody is better suited for the part because if I go in, I love auditions. I'm the mm-hmm. one rare exception. I haven't met a lot of people that like auditions. Yeah, but you're crazy. So yeah, you are an insane, I'm an insane actress. Person. Yeah. I actually care about my career. You're an actress. I like auditioning. You're crazy. What the F is going on? But. And Mark, she hasn't dropped an English I accent. Know. Yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, there we go. Hey, John, you want to get in on this? We got the English accents. Yes. Come on. Johnny, get over here. How about Mr. T? <laughs> in a British English, accent. Mr. T? Yeah. Just like the one on uh, Save Ron Jr. I say then, who's got some crumpet, sucker? That's what you get. That's what you get with that terrible premise. Good day. I said good day, son. He did, he did hey, go to Woody. Hey, the John Allen... What I really wanted to get was another beer out of that cool. Oh, yes. It was all a ploy to get you off your ass. Exactly. You like that? My what is, yeah, right? Yeah. What are, comes okay, first. we've got an, this Thou is an IPA. Thou shall And I'm usually not an IPA drinker, but you know what, I'll, uh, do this, I'll do this for my daughter, Danielle Tao, who will love that I mentioned her on the podcast oh, and also love that hi, I'm drinking, drinking an IPA. How old is Danielle? She Hello, is 20, Danielle. I'm done with the brain. Okay, she's gonna forever. she's gonna kill me because I'm gonna say she's either 25 or 26. Oh my gosh! Either way, she will be one year older on the fourth of October. Oh, nice. Wow! That was a week ago. I'm not here. <laughs> <laughs> the ghosts of I John should, Allen's past. I should fuck with the audience and put this one up first. <laughs> Like, what, what are they talking about? <laughs> Might as well. It's John Allen business. <laughs> yeah, so I have a 26-year-old daughter and a 27-year-old son. Wait, and you graduated in 1994? 84. Oh, 84. 84. Oh, all right. All right. Yeah, now, we're not I'm the glad same. that you think okay. I look young enough to have graduated in 94. Oh, all right. Nice. Yeah, that would be a year behind me. All right, math's 93. Yeah. I so did you just tell me that I looked young, or did you little, just little. tell Davey looks old? I can't figure it out. Which one was it? A little bit of both. Keep talking, actors. Keep talking. A little actors. bit from column B. Fucking actors. I'm not going to get you guys. I'm 93 or 94. So there's that. There's that. <laughs> Stop. Don't even guess. I know you're thinking. You're calculating. I can see it on your face. Stop it. Stop you're it right not now. that much younger than me. I don't want to make you're you like feel bad. I want to know my actual age. So we'll just stop. No, no. It doesn't make me feel bad because that means I got a young hottie who hangs out with me all the time. So that's fine. Oh, okay. Oh, yikes. Oh, here's to that. <laughs> Good on you. <laughs> I guess that's all I can say. Well said. Well People said. People are like, why do, you, why, do you, why do you direct films? I'm like, have you seen the girls I work with? <laughs> Smiley face. It's all good. <laughs> Mike, yeah. let me ask you this question, and uh, I don't know. There's, there's a lot of good. There's some good editors in here. Who are the top three you think in San Diego? Ooh. Is that a tough question? That I put them on. The so spot? unfair to put them on the spot with Is me it, at the really? table. Yeah, well, you know what? It's 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 going to be a very very difficult question for me to answer. That's okay. We can edit this out. Well, no, no, we not edit because, this out. He's like, haven't you heard? I don't edit stuff out. It's a difficult question for me to answer because being an editor is kind of like being a drummer in a band. Uh-huh. Um, there's one of you. 
So I really don't get oh. a chance to work with other editors. editors okay. Ah. Right? So you only get to see their work. Yeah. Right. Especially in the film world. Mm-hmm. Um, I can tell you on the corporate side, um, some of the guys that I think are great editors because I have worked with them or, or collaborated with them from time to time. Um, Dave Schweitzer is one of the is, is a great editor in town. This is corporate. This is corporate. This okay. is not on the film side. Because mm. to tell you the truth, I wouldn't know who to tell you on the film on the film side. side. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Uh, not based on like the forty eights or the uh, I don't know the film awards. Well, what? you know what? I okay. Now I'm going to sound like a dick, but <laughs> I'm not really um, going. When it comes things. when it comes to the forty eight hour <laughs> film festivals, there's there's kind of like a running joke between all of us that are on the grommets that there's. There's you have to do one of two things to win an editing award in a yeah. 48 hour film. You need okay. to either need to have a fight scene or a music montage to win an award. To win an editing award in a 48 hour film. Hmm. Go back That's a through joke. go back through the editing award winners. Okay. And I'm not I'm not saying these guys are bad edit- editors. Yeah. I'm it's just, just saying sheer number that number of cuts is what it is. Yeah, what yeah. gets judged is not the quality of the cuts but the, the quantity. quantity of the cuts. Mm-hmm. And I think that here's the downside of being an editor. As an editor, if I do my job absolutely nobody perfectly, nobody knows I edited that film. Yeah. Yeah. I think that the most beautifully edited film in the San Diego 48 this year was Elephant in the Room. Yeah. Oh, good. It was the one with the, it, the, the, the senator, two main characters. The senator and his assistant. Right. Oh, one that was the was senator good. and the assistant yes. who was the speechwriter. That was and performances was really too. Yeah. And I have to say that the film didn't play as well on the big screen as it did on the small screen, because I originally saw it um, oh, okay. through a link. On on the and it wasn't the editor's fault. That some of the shots were a little weird on the framing. Mm-hmm. Excuse well, me. Like they had the so one handheld shot on the corner of the table from across the room well, and there for was a long sh- take. The camera was just moving and like, put that and was, thing on a tripod. Why is yeah. that? There were some shots where like the actor was so far to one side of the frame or the other that it was, it just didn't work for me. But yeah. the editing to me worked brilliantly because what that editor did is she started on this like wide shot and as their relationship started to Came develop, closer closer. she brought us closer and closer and closer until there's this moment when you know that these two guys are in love and there's all this tension, tension. and she held on the shot, did not move away from that shot, yep. held on it until it was so uncomfortable. Yeah. And then phone when the call. wife phone calls, within three edits, you're back out to the wide shot. So you as an audience have been you're thrown away yeah. just like this speech right writer was, just, right? Yeah. And well, that then, gets back to that thing. Every decision that you make as an editor, as a DP, as a director... How does it serve telling that story? Exactly. Serve the story. Yeah. And then the last shot in that film yeah. was, it was beautifully unedited. Uh-huh. It was the shot of the speech writer as, as the as speech is being delivered. And, speech, yeah. and it's just his anguished face. That didn't even, and yeah. good on you to, to the editor. And I can't, I can't remember her name right now. I just friended her on Facebook. Mm. But good on you for just holding on that shot. Because nowadays, everybody wants to cut, 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 cut. No. If the shot works, if it makes, if I'm supposed to be uncomfortable and holding on that shot makes me uncomfortable, hold on the goddamn shot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, Don't I cut like- away. Yeah, Th- that's actually good. There's a lot of. Um, first of all, I don't even know how. Why didn't that win like a like a third place or something like that? That was a great underrated movie. I thought because Crowd Sorcery won third place. That was oh, the one I edited. Oh. 
Yes. His edit trumps nice other plug. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I think that that I think that that film should have gotten more than it did. I think yeah, so too. I can agree with that. Uh, but, uh, but you know that just continues the long history of me not quite understanding <laughs> the forty eight the judging beast. process of almost yeah. any festival I'm in. Well, and I think if you go mm-hmm. into the forty eight going, we're going to make a film that wins awards, You're, don't even yeah, enter. Just go it. into the go into the forty eight with the mindset of that, we're going to make a film, yeah. and, and you're going to have fun on set, make. and it's exactly. not going to be a piece of shit on screen. That's exactly. literally all I wanted to do. That's all I wanted still want to do, do. Mm-hmm. but there was a lot of competition out there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Mike, we're, uh, we're we're actually Out right of time. up against the time. Got to go. A bunch of us have places we got to get to. We don't want. Um, I don't want to go there. I, don't I, don't go. I was going to ask <laughs> him about get uh, more advice and beautiful analogies. Yeah, we'll, we'll just have she to just have wants back more talk, of champagne. Talk I think is what it is. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't need the champagne. <laughs> we'll we'll just have to have you back on after you work on a film of mine, and we yeah, can talk sure. about what it was like to work together. Yes, let's definitely do that. Yes. Hint, hint. Who's your sound guy? Uh, I don't know. I'm going to have Frank Forth on the show in a couple of weeks, so it'll probably be Frank. Ask Frank to do. Ask Frank to do your sound. If Frank does your sound, that's you're a lot closer to having me cut your film. Nice. <laughs> See, now I'm sounding like a real right. egotistical jerk. Well, you have to have these things. Uh, well, in my writer, I will only. <laughs> do you uh, do you work on a lot of those post videos too? Uh, no, it, okay. it's funny. Um, I've, I, Reagan, who's one of the producers up there, oh, she keeps I know Reagan. Call, Reagan keeps calling me to work like on them, but it's like she every time she hits me to work on them, I'm ah. busy doing other stuff. So yeah. I have not been able to get into post uh, and do stuff with them yet. Okay. That's a, for those of you who don't know that, Bruggemeyer, it's a regular mm-hmm. gig for him, mm-hmm. um, Mike Minor. And, uh, and you know, did, what's Ron? Ron, what's his last name? Sound Man. Oh. Uh, maybe I don't uh, know. Ron him. Kilby? No, but he's a talented guy, too. Yeah, yeah. No, Ron yeah. Kilby's a really talented guy. Yeah. Um, Ron Hyatt? Yes. Is that the same guy you're thinking yes, of? Yes, I yes. work with Ron Hyatt. Okay, we're going way too far now. I should just oh. shut up. Uh, <laughs> I'll shut up because you guys have you have places to go, and I have beer to drink. No, we'll, we'll definitely have you back on again because, quite frankly, I... I really am We have beer to go there. and places to drink, all right? <laughs> <laughs> we'll have you back on again because you'll bring beer and champagne. <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. I, I actually guest to bring us beer. I Let act- this man be an example. Anyone <laughs> <laughs> who wants to be in the, the podcast. I actually promised I promised oh liquor, God. but since it's like 2 o'clock on a Wednesday, I thought bringing like a bottle of Grey Goose was probably not a good idea. Never true. Uh, hey, we're, we're here in OB. Well, this is Mark's house, so he doesn't have to go anywhere, so it's fine for him. And I'll drive Kristen wherever she needs to go, so she's facing up. Yeah. (laughs) We still have John Allen here on the couch from last week. John disappeared. He's passed out right now from all the hubbub and hubbaloo. I need a place to crash. What do you want? He's outside drinking beer and doing English accents. Yeah, he's actually renting out for Airbnb as we speak. No, he's standing out in the the drive out there going, I will do magic for you. He's in the middle of the street. Sorcering. <laughs> we were in OB. Yeah. That's nothing new. <laughs> no, it's not. That's why I didn't, I didn't say it. Surprisingly, like, there are Chris, four. Chris, Newport Ads. You'll see yeah, several like, There are four it's other like people a, in yeah. their street sorcering right now. It's like so, a Friday on you know, Newport. I think he feels like he's one of them, and you know, he's just bonding right now. He grew up here. That makes sense. Wait, thanks, Mike. Yeah, yeah. We gotta <laughs> go, kids. So Bye. Bye. <laughs> Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com/ixe.
Over 150,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Audible.com is your source for digital audiobooks. My personal favorite is Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, read by Stephen Fry. It's amazing. So get your free 30-day trial and free audiobook download and show your support for the intellectual podcast by going to www.audibletrial.com ixe.